Come on. Come on now. Hey. I, I heard a couple boos in there. I heard it from backstage. I don't know who it was, but I heard a couple boos. But that's all right. That's right. How's it going this morning, Life Church? Come on. Come on now. I, I'm a morning person. And so that's one thing I hear about the 9 a.m. service is that you guys are morning people. It is the best service we have at Life Church. My wife hates it. But so, hey, I'm with you guys. And so it's awesome to be here with you this morning. And uh, first of all, I got to thank Pastor Aaron, Pastor Ryan for giving me this opportunity to be with you this morning. And uh, also, uh, I got to thank you guys. My wife and I, we've been here for just over, just under three months. And many of you have taken us out to eat, uh, brought us to your house, and uh, you made this transition for us extremely smooth. And it's very humbling, and we're pumped to be such a, a a growing church, a church that's impacting the community with 4th of July. And, and uh, so thank you guys. We're pumped to be here. And uh, God is good. God is good. So first, I have a picture of my wife up here. We are green and gold. Come on, we are Packer fans. Go Pack Go. Come on, you can always give a Go Pack Go. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. That's the way to go. And so it feels so good to be back in Wisconsin. We... Um, I grew up actually in Nina. Uh, I was born there. Then I lived in Oshkosh for a while. Oshkosh, bagosh, you know, the good old saying. And uh, then my dad became a, a senior pastor at a church in Hudson, Wisconsin, which he's still there. So in second grade, I moved to Hudson and lived most of my life there. So, hey, we are Packer fans. And if you are a Packer fan and you've been here for a while, you know that it's like a family thing for at least most of us. My my grandparents are probably the biggest Packer fans I know. They, uh, I'd say about 98% of the presents I've ever gotten from them have been Packer-related, which I'm very thankful for now that I realize it. But I got all these, you know, Brett Favre, I got everything, you know. And so I got to thank them. They get, like, the Packer flag out every morning. You know, when it's a Packer game, you know, they take it out when the day's done. I mean, they are legit. And so you guys know what I'm talking about. But so I grew up there when we were in Hudson, like Ryan said, I, uh, I met Ryan. I actually don't remember Ryan. He remembers me. Um, but I was 15, so different church. But uh, it's just kind of funny how God has uh, reconnected us. Um, but, and so that's cool. So I grew up there. And in the, in the summertime, I actually grew up going to the same camp that most of your students um, are going to on Monday. And so we're going to Spencer Lake Bible Camp and it was a big impact in my life. It was actually one of the first times I felt my first call into ministry. And uh, there's been moments that have shaped my life, you know, determined on how I will go about my journey. And uh, so I'm so pumped to share that with them and to do that. And you guys have awesome students. Uh, I just love them, Christian. We had them over for uh, the FIFA World Cup, the women's soccer tournament. And... Uh, yeah, no, it was just fun. We played soccer outside, had the big American flags, and we got a noise complaint, but that's okay. First one. First one. And so from there, I, uh, I went to North Central University, which is in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's actually where Ryan graduated from as well. Um, but I graduated with a bachelor's in youth development studies. And uh, so as I did that, I also met my beautiful wife there. And uh, we got married the summer of graduation. 
And so from there, we went to Springfield, Missouri, and we interned at a church um, down there, James River, and uh, loved it and enjoyed it. It was actually my first winter, not in Wisconsin, which was interesting. Um, it, it would like, it snows and then it melts. It doesn't stick. Like, I think it only stuck once, once or twice. And so it was just so different. And so it was, it was nice to have a little vacay from the winter, but uh, it feels just as good to be back and uh, to enjoy uh, good old Wisconsin. And so one of my favorite things, though, about Wisconsin is that I'm a big hunter. And so is anyone, is there any hunters in the room? Is there a couple? Okay. Hey, that's more than I thought. We got some hunters. For me, big hunter. Okay, my grandpa, when he was um, actually like 53 years ago, him and seven of his buddies, they went up to Birchwood, Wisconsin, and they built a cabin and bought like 80 acres. And so every year, rifle hunting, we go up there, and you can only be in the cabin if you're a part of those eight families. And so huge tradition for us. And so every year I would do that. And so if you're a hunter, you know opening day is the best day to go hunting. Okay, opening day, you know, it's your best chance to get a buck. You know, no one's been hunting yet. And so, you know, you want to have your corn all ready. You want to have your bait pile. And for me, I actually, I didn't get to go up there. It was about my third year hunting. I didn't get to go up there early for some circumstance. And so I had to carry my corn. So it's it's opening morning, and, you know, you wake up at about, you know, 4, 4.30. You get breakfast, you know, eggs, bacon, sourdough with jelly, raspberry jelly, grandma homemade. Um, so good. And, and so you eat up, then you pack. And so, you know, I'm getting my, you know, I'm getting my bullets. I'm getting my water bottles and a trail mix. Now, I, uh, I'm not a fan of, like, the raisins in the trail mix, so I make my own. So I grab, like, a bag of M&M's and peanuts, and I got my trail mix. And so that's, that's mine. So I just grab a bag, put it together, maybe even a little bit more salt in there. I don't know. But, so that's mine. Pack that up. So now it's about 5, you know, 5.45. So I put my backpack on, and I bring in my corn. Now, I'm not usually bringing my corn out, and so I, I usually want to have that done earlier. So I'm bringing that. It's a different weight, and I got my gun. Got my hat. Got my light. And so it's pitch dark. And so I get to the road, and i got to walk about 20 minutes through a trail into the woods. So I'm walking through the woods, and, and uh, if you've ever been in the woods in the pitch dark, it's actually kind of scary, even if you got a gun with you. Um, it just, I don't know, it just is. Even, I don't know, you can't see more than three feet. But anyways, so you're walking, got my compass, I can see where I'm going, and after about 20 minutes, I get to this tree. And it's got a marking on it, so I know that i got to head down in this valley. My, my stand's on the top of this hill. And so i got like, you know, about a five-minute walk. And now this is where it's a little harder to find your way. But I knew that as soon as I get to this hill, my stand's up there. So i got my compass, got everything. I'm making my way down, and two minutes goes by, four minutes goes by, six minutes goes by, eight, ten, and all of a sudden... I'm not at my stand yet, and uh, I'm like, oh, shoot, okay, um, so I, I'm going I'm to backtrack a little bit, I know I'm in the area, and uh, so I kind of backtrack a little bit, there's not much snow yet, and so I couldn't really follow my tracks, and uh, so then I kind of like go, I go backtrack, but then I kind of, you know, wander more around, and 
Then I take a sit down and take a deep breath, and I set my gun, set the corn, and and uh, I realize that I'm definitely lost. I'm definitely lost. And so if you've ever had one of those just panic moments where you just kind of do something you've never done before, I just run. I grab my corn, and I like, like, if you've ever been lost before, you know what I'm talking about. You just, you realize you're lost, and so I just book it, and I'm running for like three minutes, and you have like, you know, like six or seven layers on, because you know how cold it gets, and we're sitting out there from, you know, six in the morning till six at night when the sun goes down, and so you want as much on. So I am drenched, sweating, and after about, about three minutes of just pure running, I stop, and I sit down. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to have to, you know, face my fate. And I'm not going to be able to make it to my stand before light. Because if you're there, it's the best chance to get a buck because they, you know, they don't hear you right in the morning. And so, all right, I'm just going to have to wait till the light comes out, the sun comes up. I'll be able to follow my compass because I know the trail is just straight south. And then I'll be able to make my way back and, and find it. So I'm sitting there and uh, got the corn, you know, looking at it. Take my backpack off and... And I'm like, I'm definitely missing something. And uh, I realize I don't have my gun. <laughs> I, left, I left my gun. That time when I panicked and I sat down for the first time, I set my stuff. You know, and then I just panicked and I just grabbed my stuff and ran. And I lost my gun. And so I'm like, okay, now I'm not at my stand. It's opening morning. I don't have my gun. And uh, I just got to sit here. I got to sit here for like 30 minutes till the light comes up. So I'm getting all this thinking in, and, and I'm like, my dad's hunting like 20 minutes away from me. And so I'm like, my dad's a nice guy. You know, maybe he'll let me use his gun, right? You know, maybe. Um, and so I find the trail. I'm literally like three-minute walk from the trail, but in the dark, I just got lost. And so I go to my dad, and long story short, I go to my dad, and you know, I tell him what's up. He's like, no, we'll find your gun. And I'm like, no, Dad, we're not going to find my gun. He's like, yeah, we will. So we go there. We look. We sit down. You know, we look for like 20 minutes, sat down on a log, and all of a sudden, over his shoulder, like 10 yards away, there's a, my gun was sitting on the tree. And uh, so we find it. He makes his way back. So he kind of loops around to go to his stand. As he's walking away, a buck comes up, and I shoot a buck opening morning. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. Come on, give that up for that buck. It was one of the greatest mornings ever and one of the worst mornings ever. Um, But the crazy thing about that is in times of like panic, you know, sometimes we forget what we know. We forget what we've seen. You know, for me, I had a compass, but I got lost. I got lost and I just panicked and I ran and I forgot what I had. I forgot how to find the trail and you know, for us, that happens. Now, if any of you have ever slept through an alarm, you know what I'm talking about, right? That you're laying there, eyes closed, and you wake up, and you're like, it's a little bit brighter out than it should be right now. <laughs> and then, you know, you cut your eyes get a little brighter before you even move yet, and you just have that pit of panic, right, in your stomach. And then you realize that you're late, so you hurry, you don't shower because you don't have time, and you leave, and, you know, you forget your wallet, or you forget your backpack, and you know, in times of panic and, you know, emergency, we forget what we know. We forget what we've done. We forget what we've seen. My mom's a flight attendant, and so she's been a flight attendant for like 15 years. 
And uh, every, every year, there's like this week of training that happens for them. And it's all on emergency protocol. And so you could be working there for like 25 years. And if you fail this test, this week of testing, you lose your job. And it's like amazing to me that you could be working there that long and boom, it can be gone. But the reason is because in times of emergency, you know, we panic and we forget what we've seen. We forget what we know. And no matter how long you've been doing it, you know, when that happens, you know, we make mistakes. And so the cool thing about the Bible is that there are tons of people just like you and I that have situations like us. You know, they, they have ad- adversity. They have obstacles in their way. And some people handle it in a good way, and some people don't handle it so good. And so today, we get to look at someone that handled it the right way. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Samuel 17, 36 through 40. It's 1 Samuel 17, 36 through 40. And so what's happening right now in this scripture is that King Saul, King Saul is a lost favor in God's eyes. And so he has like this evil spirit um, tormenting him. And so he tells his people to go find someone that can relieve him of this. And so his people go find David. And David's good at playing this instrument like the harp. And he comes, he starts playing, and this evil spirit leads him. And this continues to happen. And over time, King Saul falls in love with David. He, he cherishes him. He finds favor in David so much that he actually makes him his armor bearer. And what an armor bearer is, is if a king went into battle, you would carry like extra weapons for the king. So you'd have like a big sword um, and a shield and, you know, a couple other little ones. And what would happen is if the king wounded someone, you would go and finish him off. It'd be a lot safer for the king to not like turn his back and to finish off. So if he wounded someone, they would end it. And, and so over time, David and King Saul, they grew this bond. You know, they went into battle together. They talked strategy. They went into war. And so, you know, they grew this bond that, you know, a lot of us don't understand with, you know, with life-threatening armies. And so the thing was, was back then, there wasn't an army or there wasn't a battle every day. You know, it, it happened in space. And, and so when he was an armor bearer, he was also like part-time shepherd. And so that's what we know most about David. And so at this time, he was a shepherd for his father, Jesse. And, and so there's a battle that's about to go on. And David's three oldest brothers are in the army with King Saul. And so his father, Jesse, uh, is getting worried. And so he tells David, hey, bring this bread to your brother's. And, you know, tell him to give me a token so I can have peace of mind. And, uh, and then, he, which is funny, he also tells, uh, hey, give this cheese to their commanding officer. Now, I'm not saying, but I am saying, hey, cheese, you know, they might have been the first Packer family. I don't know. I wouldn't doubt it. But, hey, if you give me cheese, I'd be pretty happy to. Should I smoke cheddar? That would be good, too. Um, but they tell to go give it to their officers. Give them this cheese and... You know, maybe they'll find favor in him. And so David goes, and this is where Goliath comes in. So David goes down to the valley, and for several days, Goliath has been coming out and challenging, you know, the army of Israel and saying, hey, who's going to fight me one-on-one, winner takes all, 
Let's go. And, you know, no one wants to challenge him. And so David sees this. And so he goes to his brothers, and they end up just getting angry at him. They just, David, you just want to see people getting killed here. That's the only reason you're here, you know, leaving. And so he leaves his brothers, and he goes, finds King Saul. You know, they got this bond where he can go and, and talk to King Saul like that. And so that's where we start off in 1 Samuel 36 through 40. And it goes, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Like I said, hey, Packers, Detroit Lions, Chicago Bear. David, Packer fan, guys. I just, hey, I'm just reading what's in the Bible. Okay. Uh, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of a lion, the paw of a bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he says, Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off, and then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Lord, I just pray right now as we dig into your word, as we dig into your scriptures, Father, that uh, we can learn from you. We can see you in your living word that as David chose to handle a time of adversity, as he chose to handle a time uh, with this obstacle in his way, that, Lord, we can learn from a man after your own heart, that whatever situations we're going through, Lord, that we have hope and that you have given us enough already to overcome what is in our way. And everyone said, amen, amen. And so David, David decides, hey, I'm going to fight this guy. And so he goes... To Saul. Now there are three things that David does, you know, in this in this little chunk of scripture. And we can we can take this and we can actually use this to what we're going through. Whatever it is, big or small, we can learn from what David did. Now the first thing that David did is he looked back. David looked back. Verse 36 and 37. It says, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. This is where it gets good. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David chose to remember what God has done in the past. He looked back. Now, if you were here last week, it's kind of ironic, but Pastor Aaron preached on how you know, we need to take photographs of our life. We need to take photographs of, you know, what we've gone through because God wants us to look back at how faithful he has been and how he can help us now. So David, he said, hey, God help me from a lion. God help me from a bear. You know, why can't he help me with this Philistine? And we actually see this all the time in Scripture. Uh, you know, with Moses, Moses does this a lot. Also, Joshua. Joshua, in, in Joshua 4, chapter 4, he takes over Moses' command. And, you know, he's taking the Israelites, you know, to Jericho. And they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And they come to the Jordan River. And so, just like the Red Sea, 
God parted the Jordan River and they walked through. And what's interesting is at the end, God tells Joshua, for each man of the 12 tribes of Israel, have them grab one stone. And so when they crossed, they made this little memorial. And it says that, so whenever you walk by, or your children's, or your children's children walk by this memorial, they'll remember what I did for you. They will remember how faithful I was. And for us, it's just as important. We need to remember what God has done and how faithful he has been in the past. Now, the second thing that David does is that he asks himself, what has God given me? Now, this is, to me, the coolest part of this scripture. It is, if I was with David, I probably wouldn't have made this same decision, but luckily I'm not David. But if, you, if you're a sports fan, this is like a game-changing play. Okay, this alters his life. This alters what he does. And so in verse 38 through 40, it says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from a stream and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. Now, if I'm with David right now, if I'm David's buddy, and King Saul is like, hey, take my armor. David, bro, take the armor, okay? This is the best armor you can buy, okay? Like, it's the king's armor. So, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the most strong. It's the most, you know, expensive. And so he's given you the best he's got. And so if I'm with David, dude, hey, I know you're good at the sling, but take the sword, man. Take the sword. Take the helmet. That is... That's the best you can get. I mean, David, that's more reliable. You know, his armor is much more realistic, much more practical. You know, take that. What? You know? But the cool thing about David is that David remembers what God has already given him. And the thing, if you get anything from today out of this sermon, is that God has already given you enough to overcome the Goliath in your life. No matter how big, no matter how small, God has already given you enough to overcome the Goliath in your life. And so David's there and he's like, hey, yeah, this armor is pretty good. You know, it's, it's heavy, it's expensive. But, you know, God gave, God gave me this sling. You know, I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear. This is what God gave me. And so I'm going to trust with what God has already given me. And so David chooses his sling, which to me is the coolest thing ever. And, uh, and so the third thing that happens is that David spoke it forward. David spoke it forward. Verse 47, excuse me, 45 through 47. Now, if you're like a big movie fan like I am, and you like those inspirational movies like Remember the Titans, I remember I got that for Easter We'd always get movies for Easter, and I watched it like three times in a row. If you like any like inspirational movies, this is one of those moments that a movie would be made on. The thing that David says in the time, in the place of what he does, it's one of the most inspirational um, statements. David said to the Philistine, 
You come against me with sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcass of this Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. I can just imagine if I'm sitting on the sidelines and there's David with Goliath and Goliath is just calling him out. He's, man, you're a little punk, you're teeny, what are you going to do? And, and David just stops him. He says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'm going to kill you because of God. The Lord Almighty is going to be glorified today. Now what situation you're going in or what you're going through Sometimes we just need to speak truth into what our situation. We need to speak life into our obstacle. Mark eleven twenty four says, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you received it, and it will be yours. David, I don't think there's anything more than showing that you believe you're going to kill this guy by just calling it out in front of everybody. You know, whatever your situation is, what life do you need to speak into that situation? What truth do you need to put into that? Now, for my wife and I, our first obstacle as you know, a married couple, our first situation, when we got married right after college, we, um, you know, we, had, we had a couple of choices. We had two churches that you know, were looking to hire us full-time, and we had this other option of being interns at a church in Missouri. And for us, you know, it's like, I'm just going to be real. Right? We, you know, when you, when you have a lot of student loans and you just got married, getting paid to do something sounds much better than interning for free, you know, moving across the country. And so we made these pros and cons lists to all three. And practically everything made sense to go to these churches. But for some reason, both of us felt the Lord pushing us towards interning at a church in Missouri. And so for us, you know, one thing we had to look back and we remembered, you know, God, every time God, we felt God pushing us to something, it's worked out. And so for us, we did that. You know, and then this is where the obstacle came. Is, hey, we have one car. We have a ton of student loans. And we just got married. We don't have much. Um, you know, we don't have a place to stay. You know, Lord, what are we going to do? And so, you know, we, um, we ask God. We say, we got one car. What do you want us to do? And so we drive down there. And there's someone in our church that knows someone who knows someone that knows someone that lives in Missouri. And uh, they're like, hey, you guys can stay in our one bedroom, um, you know, for a couple days till you find, figure stuff out. So... We're like, all right, Lord, we're going to trust you. We're going to go down there. And, you know, for us, we're like, all right, let's, let's speak this. Let's speak truth over this. Let's speak this into existence. And so we start making prayer cards like, hey, Lord, we pray that obviously we can find a job, that then we can get an apartment. You know, Lord, we have one car. 
you know, can we be in a place that's going to be near the church or near our job so that, you know, this one car situation will work out? You know, and or we, you know, we pray that our jobs will fit align with each other schedule wise. And so, you know, we we moved down there with <laughs> no money, and uh, the first day we get there, we load our entire car, which was just packed. We couldn't even see out the back seat, so we load it all into one bedroom, and. We sleep. Next morning, we go job hunting, and Christian finds a job, gets an interview that day, actually gets hired on the spot for a full-time, um, uh, for a full-time preschool teacher. And since we got a job, we were able to apply for an apartment. And we applied for an apartment that was right across from the street from the church. Next day, we got it. We moved in. And I'll never forget that excitement driving to that uh, apartment and feeling God you know just how faithful he was and how faithful he is now for you you might be sitting there and being like Nate if okay if that's all you've had to go through you're doing pretty good right you know some of you guys you guys are dealing with some extreme stuff you know you might be you know this close to filing for divorce you know, someone in your family, you know, they might have cancer. You know, or some of you might have just recently lost your job. The mortgage is due. What's going to happen? You know, that is, those are much more extreme things than what we've had to deal with. But the truth is, it's not too big for him. No matter how small no matter how big, God has given you enough right now to overcome the Goliath in your life. You know, for you, what is it, what's it going to take? What do you have to look back and remember what God has done and how he's been faithful? You know, the second thing, what, what has God given you right now purposely? Like David Sling, what has he given you during your situation? You know, and lastly, what truth do you need to speak into this? You know, we hear Pastor Aaron say all the time, you know, when we add our natural, God adds his super to create the supernatural. And that's what happened with David. And so what is it today that you need to trust God with? And what life do you need to speak into your situation? God has given you enough to overcome the Goliath in your life. Lord, I just pray right now that you know each and every one of our situations. You know the small, you know the big. But Lord, in your eyes, it's all the same. No matter how small or big to us, to you, nothing is too big. Lord, I just pray that as whatever situation we are dealing with, that when we walk out these doors, Lord, we remember how faithful you have been, that we can look back and what you've done in our lives. Lord, you've given us things right now to help us. Just like David, you gave him a sling and you've helped him along his journey with that. You've given each of us certain things like that to get us through life. And Lord, I just pray that we start believing in our situations. We start believing in you. That Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And Lord, as we just end today, that we're thankful 
that we have you to get through our situations. I can't imagine going through life without you because you are everything. You will never bring something in our path that we cannot get through without you. In your name I pray, amen.